Welcome to the Buck Stops here, the official podcast of NotInHallOfFame.com, and I'm your host, the Buck, Kirk Buckner, the owner and the operator of NotInHallOfFame.com, and the sister sites, the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame and the Fictitious Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're a couple weeks removed away from the NFL draft, and that's pretty much the springboard of where greatness begins when we're looking at the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is a big factor of what we look at. We didn't really touch on that today, but Vinny Lospinuso, our resident expert in all things football, wanted to get his opinions on that, and of course we said yes. How can we not? It's Vinny. And he's a guy named Vinny from New York, so don't you sort of like want to listen to anything that Vinny from New York has to say? Aren't you a little bit scared? No? Well, maybe you shouldn't be, but it's still entertaining. Without further ado, here's Vinny. Vinny, hope you're keeping safe in Long Island. What's the good word there? Uh, so far, it looks like the amount of deaths and the amount of cases have gone down by the day. That's good. However, I would say that for the sake of Long Island and the rest of New York State, I hope we don't open too soon because I don't want us to be mocked or even vilified like Georgia, nor do we want anything else. The bad habit. I don't want another spike to happen down the road, so we just got to take it that day by day. Yeah, here we're uh, not nearly as bad here in Barbados. Uh, we're at 80 cases in total, so uh, you know, for, for the most part, uh, things are a lot less morbid, you could say, but we're actually in a much stricter lockdown than uh, my home country of Canada and your nation of the U.S., so like there's a lot, a lot things are a lot stricter here. There's actually an alcohol ban, which has been in place for the last few weeks. Uh, so, at least, so I think there in New York, are restaurants even open uh, for takeout? No. Oh, they're not open well, at all now. Open. Nope. They're open for takeout. They're not open open for you to sit down and eat. Yeah. So here, they're not even open for takeout. Wow. Well, how are you going to be able to eat then? Well, just uh, it's basically on on you're the last. The first letter of your last name is when you, you're allowed to go grocery shopping. Yeah. What? Yeah. So that way, that way the, uh, the grocery stores are not flooded with people. So, for example, uh, with my last name, starting with B, I can go grocery shopping on Monday afternoons and Friday mornings. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, they're not, they're not playing around here. Uh, they're... Doing, they're doing a much stricter lockdown than anybody else I'm aware of. Well, New Zealand might be might might eradicate the virus completely on their island. That that's yeah, I've been sort of seeing that they've been doing a fantastic job. Uh, South Korea's done done a great job, but you know this is sort of a morbid way to begin. Uh, the NFL draft has come and gone, and. I want to talk to you about how about your draft days because you you were a lot more involved than I was. You were part of a was it a Zoom cast? To, tell us about what you were doing for draft days. So with me outside of outside of WRHU and also this and the stuff that I do in my own free time, I also work for a man by the name of Zenny Abraham who works for Oakland News Now at his own website. Mm-hmm. I've been um, I've been a, I've been a part of it. I've been a been um he's been my boss since uh, two since uh, October, where he actually found me on Twitter, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And he's a very, very, very hard work ethic. He is also, he's from Oakland, so yeah, he is a Raiders fan. But don't worry, he's not one of those weird, he's pretty objective when it comes down to it. He's, he, he's much more of a guy that takes an open mind. So I think that's good. Uh, so who else? So yeah, it was a part of it was a five-man show? Or five-person show? Uh, 
Uh, as many as five, six people come and gone. I've done the draft every single one of the days. So I spent a total of around, I don't know, like five hours the first day, another five hours, maybe six hours for the second day. For the third day, I came in halfway in between because I had work before, so I was on for another uh, three hours. So I was on basically half, like over like 12 hours of draft coverage. So who were some of the other personalities with you and uh, Zenny? Um, well, there was, um, there was a Dave who's from the UK, uh, Donald, he's all, he's from San Fran, uh, Beth, she, she came and went, she's from, uh, the area as well of San Fran, uh, my fact that Zenny's from Oakland, he was living in Atlanta, um, also, uh, Anthony was there, uh, Steve was there, um, no last things escaped me, but essentially they all came and went, mm-hmm. uh, I was there every single uh, day along with Zenny. Yeah, and people were watching that on on YouTube. I saw your link. I was uh, going back and forth between that and uh, the ESPN coverage because I certainly wanted to see what you had to say about uh, some of that. Uh, for myself personally, watching this, it was a little. It was definitely surreal seeing this, uh, seeing it emanate. I guess from Commissioner Goodell's basement, and when he was all in on Boo the Commish, I was not happy with that. You're not supposed to be on the joke there, Roger. It's- uh, I didn't know there was a rule for that there, Eric. <laughs> well, there, there's a rule. I'm, I'm being, no, he's not supposed to know that we all think he's incompetent. That was, that was not fun. I did not enjoy that. I did get a kick out of watching everyone in their, in their living room, some people in their t-shirts, some of the draft uh, p- potential or draftees in their t-shirts, some in their full uh, duds. It was uh, it was pretty interesting, and just the and just uh, how some dogs were the stars of the show. I personally hope it stays like this going forward. Uh, if there's any good that sort of come out, came out of the coronavirus, I would say this draft was one of them. Uh, well, actually, you're thinking about how you want it to be like that. You actually will because Goodell was saying in day three how for future drafts, while it's still going to be a public event next year in Cleveland. The, they're saying that there's going to be still a lot more of an intimacy like it was here, like the conference call, and you'd see the cameras there. It's a lot more intimate. It's going to be a lot more, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bigger focus. So I like that personally because it gets a much, much wider net of people, and it just makes it feel more at home. I like that idea. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was my thumbs up for them. My thumbs down is, and I think I'm one of the many people to sort of say this, uh, it felt like there was a bit of tragedy porn. Like you're going a little bit too far. Telling, like we don't need to know that some of the draftees, mother, and they even had this in a bubble. Mother, his the mother was on cocaine for 16 years. So why? Yeah, I I should mention that it did seem like with a good number of the like there was a lot of like this person's father died, this person's grandfather died, this person's brother died, this person's mother died. I'm like. Man, that that's a lot. Like, geez, a lot of these people come from tragedies. Holy hell, geez. Like, I mean, it, 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 that's a situation where I really don't know how to react to it because there was just so much of it that it just became kind of like white noise. I do feel bad for the families. Want, though I do feel like, you know, it could be perceived as too much in some for some cases, I, I, I thought say. it was. I, th- I thought it definitely was. It'd be, it's one thing if, uh, and I believe it was uh, Chase Young, who they've got a picture of his, I think it was his grandfather, right? So, you, you know, they're bringing attention to it. So, I mean, that's part of the story. It's quite another when ESPN just sort of like brings in a bunch of stuff that 
Nobody needed, nobody really needs to know. I mean, it's the biggest day, one of the biggest days of their career, of their life. There's enough drama there that you don't have to manufacture some stuff that's just not that relevant. I would say that, you know, we don't need to know again and again about this person's mother died. Okay, like, I do feel like, yes, but, like, it, it, it just seems like a lot. And it was not a only lot. that, you had the coronavirus stuff. In a way, it felt kind of, it was happy, but at the same time, it was equally as depressing. It kind of felt. Mm-hmm. I mean. Well, you did a great and, job on, on your, on on your job for, with Zenny, and uh, I, actually, I wanted to tell you this. It's going to be inspiring us to do something very similar uh, in the future when I think we're going to get a bunch of people together and sort of like have our mock uh, Hall of Fame selection committee and broadcast oh, nice. that. So uh, you'll be part of those. And, yeah, and yes, obviously, on those... Oh, uh, Bill Carroll was off on... on like he popped uh, in and out a little bit. Uh, and I did mention Hall of Fame stuff with him. And he also... He was also, he knew me ahead of time. He knew that I was always big into, like, you know, the very, like, old kind of guys, like, you know, Apple Finger, Follis, Younger, all those guys. Mm-hmm. So I think that was pretty Yeah. So there's a few things that I want to get your initial reaction on. We're not going to go team by team because uh, it's been done to death, and I think everyone from their fan base has really sort of gone, done a deep dive into that. What I really want to get from you is just some of your general thoughts. Uh, the first one is, Vinny, who won the draft in your opinion? What team won the draft? Uh, what do you mean by won the draft? As in the team, I thought made the great value um, because we're just talking picks alone. The Minnesota Vikings. In fact, if you were to compare all the total grades in total, the Minnesota Vikings had the best draft. However, I don't think that the best draft. I think they had top three draft, but I think it also helps when you have fifteen draft picks. Mm-hmm. I would say the team that I personally thought had the best draft, was the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, yeah, I think a lot of people have been saying that too. Yep. It's the team that had the best record in the NFL last year, had the number one seed, and they lost, obviously, in the divisional round against the uh, underdog Tennessee Titans. And, you know, it's not like it's all doom and gloom for the Ravens. Them and the Chiefs are the two favorites out of the, the AFC. But the Ravens sit back and say, you know, we have an MVP quarterback too. We are a team that can go toe-to-toe with you guys, how can we prove we are better than the Super Bowl champions, even though we had a better record than them last year, but didn't get it done? What can we do to make us better? And sure enough, while other teams either traded up or stayed pat and took a linebacker, the Ravens stayed pat, didn't do anything, and took the best linebacker in the draft, in the, in the second half of the first round, and Patrick Queen. This is a guy that many people thought, including myself, was the best linebacker in the draft. And you get Calais Campbell now. And, hey, Matt Judon is probably not going to be with the team after this season. So who are we going to have to replace him? Patrick Queen. I think that's a pretty good pick. And also when you look at the Ravens as well, you take J.K. Dobbins, you're a nice running back to have alongside Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram. And just for a cherry on top, you have Devin Duvernay fall to you in the third round. And you address really every position that you every position that you needed to address. You address the line, receiver, defensive back, tackle help, and 
you even got just Tyre Phillips, who at that point was arguably the best interior lineman on the board in replace of Marshall Yonda, who is now a member of that fantastic 225 um, first-year eligibility, the eligibles, which I'll get to that near the end. But, man, a really, really quality draft class by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, who is the winner in your eyes? Oh, Baltimore was definitely a, a winner to me also. Uh, Baltimore is the one that uh, a lot of people have pegged as the winner of that. I thought that I thought that almost instantly as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you got a second my... one. Who's your Who's your other one that you thought so, after Minnesota? Uh, besides Minnesota, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I thought the Cowboys had the best draft of the NFC. This is the team that easily after watching this, I said, yeah, they're going to win the division this year. Mike McCarthy coming in as your head coach, a guy with a proven track record, made the playoffs many times, four NFC championship games. As much as you want to say Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, you know, yeah, but there's many other great coaches with quarterbacks, and they don't make it as much. The Packers, under Mike McCarthy as head coach, made the playoffs nine and a ten seasons. That's just just incredibly down in four NFC championship game appearances. It, it's pretty impressive. And now he's coming to a Dallas Cowboys team that has Dak Prescott and he wants to try to get a big contract. So what do you do? You keep Ezekiel Elliott, you, you keep Amari Cooper and you take CD lamb. CD <laughs> lamb falls yep. to you at picks up and Jerry on his gut saying, ah, CD. I want you to come down to Dallas and be a cowboy. And then C.D. Lamb tries to nudge his girlfriend away and says, hell yeah, man, I'm going down to Big D right now. But I, oh wait, yeah, I can't quarantine. Damn. (laughs) That's not going to be the last time that he pushes his girlfriend away. But yeah, I saw that clip. That was awesome. But outside of that, I mean, Lamb was obviously a great pick, but it's more than just that. You have Trayvon Diggs in the second round, who, very good value here. He's a nice replacement for Byron Jones. Um, you also replace uh, Travis, Travis Frederick, who retired with Tyler Viades um, out of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Another good move. Neville Gallimore. Neville Gallimore in the third round. Another high-quality pick from the Dallas Cowboys. And, and even, even Reggie Robinson. I mean, again, a really quality draft from the Dallas Cowboys. And I'd be stunned if they don't win a division this year. Yeah, Dallas is poised for something great. Feels like we've been talking about that, like Dallas being just on the cusp for a while. We'll see if they're able to take that next step. Uh, so those are three well, teams you, that you think have has won the draft. Who lost the draft? Who were you like right after everything was over? You thinking like, what the hell were they thinking? They had months to prepare, and this is what they came up with. Well, this is a no-brainer. The Green Bay Packers, um, <laughs> right from the, right from their first pick. Oh well, yeah, they they, they they were by far they had the worst they had the worst draft. I mean, this is the team that was one game away from going to the Super Bowl. This is the team that after missed the playoffs for two straight seasons. Went 13 and 3, won the division, the second seed, you had a first round bye, you beat the Seahawks, but then you you then you got then you got kicked the crap out by the 49ers again. And now 
the Packers, you would think, okay, we didn't beat the 49ers. What can we do to beat the 49ers? What can we do to make them ourselves better than the San Francisco 49ers? What can we do to establish ourselves as the best team in the NFC? And they didn't do that. Instead, you decided to trade up to get Jordan Love. Now, Jordan Love, he's a bit of a raw talent. He hasn't had a consistent coach, so it's really hard to peg. However, Aaron Rodgers has been too pleased as he got a four-year contract extension a year ago. And if you were to cut him, you would have a lot of dead cap. I think now looking, and Love is going to be on the bench for two seasons, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. three. I mean, how long is Rodgers going to be a Packer? Is he going to get traded somewhere? I mean, I have no idea what's going to happen now. But I'm just very, very puzzled by this move. And guys, when, I, when this was happening, I thought they were going to trade up to get someone like Patrick Queen because they really need to help a linebacker with Blake Martinez going. But instead, they don't get someone to help them win now. They get, they get someone that's going to be for their future, which is fine. But at the same time, Rodgers isn't going anywhere. There are better quarterbacks than Jordan Love that are going to be available in next year's draft. So, I don't know. I think that I, Love would have been there in the second round, too, probably. Like, this is, this is a reach. And now let's look at A.J. Dillon, the running back at a Boston College. I mean, this is another reach. He would have been there probably. He would have been there in the third round. You're already pretty deep at running back. Why did you need another one? Aaron Jones loves the league and touchdown. Jamal Williams is another good quality running back. I mean, did you have to get a running back this high? And, you know, Josiah DeGuerra, I mean, I don't know. His, his arms were kind of short. His hands were kind of short. He has speed, but I don't know. Like, but, and then when you also look at other players, I don't know. I wasn't really big on them, but I think the biggest L they took is the fact that in a loaded wide receiver class, you don't have anyone else really outside of Devontae Adams, and you decide to take zero wide receivers. Zero. That boggles my mind. I mean, you're gonna pitch all your what? You're gonna hit your wagon to to Devin Funches, really, really? You're gonna hit your wagon to Devin Funches. How's that gonna work out for you? How's that gonna work out for you? It, it wasn't the move of a team that thinks they're Super Bowl ready. No, this is a team that I think LaFleur is trying to stick it to Rodgers. That's I a think pretty Rudigan, petty thing to do. Oh, what? Well, it's a, it's a really petty thing to do on something this important. Yeah, because apparently there's friction between either way. It's, I can understand maybe you it to Rodgers, but understand Rodgers... There's 53 players on the roster, okay? Forget what Rodgers says. What message does that bring to the other players in that locker room? The fact that, you know, loaded wide receiver class, apparently the best wide receiver class you've seen in 20 years at least, and you do not take a single wide receiver not one. at all. Not, not one in not- any round. Yeah, that, that was, it, it was shocking. It made no sense to me. Uh, for me, I'd have to totally agree with you again. Uh, I'd give them a to- like a complete F on this draft class. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else that I would say it was a total F. But is there anyone that you were? Is there any other team that you were just that you thought really missed the boat here? Uh, well, they're the notable one. Like everyone else had an, uh, that kind of draft, but the Packers had a really bad draft. That's a team I could safely say had a bad draft. 
But if I were to say some other teams, I was just kind of like, you know, puzzled by their moves. It's not because I hated their draft. And uh, um, I don't know. I, I was kind of questioning if there was one team I was also kind of questioning the philosophy of, especially like, you know, early, it was probably, um, I don't know, I'd probably say the Las Vegas Raiders. It's kind of weird to say that now. Now, <laughs> they had some picks that kind of like. I love the pick of Henry Ruggs, personally. But then they draft Damon Arnett with their second pick. Arnett, a guy that would have been there in the third round, maybe even the fourth round. And you reach, massively reach, instead of guy, taking a guy like a Patrick Queen or Jeff Gladney, you take someone that was, in most boards, the ninth or 10th best-ranked corner. And then in the third round, you add a second and a third wide receiver. And it just, it just feels like, I mean, Zenny was saying how Mark Davis, you know, bringing Las Vegas, he wants to have revenue because the Raiders are kind of cap-struck because they're still paying Jack Del Rio to not coach the team. I mean, yeah, I get it, but even for Mark, I mean, Henry Ruggs, I love this pick. The only question I have is Carr and Mariota are not the kinds of quarterbacks that are known for throwing it deep. And Ruggs is a guy who's used as a deep threat, a quality deep threat. And Queen Ruggs, I mean, I like the player. I just hope that for Carr's sake, he's the kind of fit that they would need. And as for Bowden Jr., he's another fast guy, but I don't know. I, I'm not crazy. And then Brian Edwards, I mean, he's a different receiver. But, you know, why, why take two receivers? Why, why take two receivers here? Like, like seriously, back-to-back picks on receivers? Meanwhile, you needed help at corner, but you reached for one, and you helped the linebacker, and you didn't address it. It was just a weird draft by the Raiders. I think there's some good piece, but there's some I'm really scratching my head and saying, did some of these a couple a couple breaches? Okay, so the, another one that I want, like, what was like for you out of all of that the best value? Not the best pick, but the best value pick in the entire draft. For the, the tunable, the, the, I would say the first two picks by the Arizona Cardinals, uh, easily. Whatever the Cardinals did was high value when I looked at them. Isaiah Simmons, letting a player who can be used as a Swiss Army knife, a Swiss Army knife in the defense, let him fall to you at pick eight, tremendous value. And even bigger value, I would say, is Josh Jones, a guy that many people thought would make it in the middle to end of round one. You let him slide to you all the way in the third round. That, 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 that's mind-boggling to me that the Cardinals were able to make these picks that were such high value. I, I go with Josh Jones. I, I go with Josh Jones or Isaiah Simmons in terms of a value pick because I was very impressed by that. Yes, which remains to be sort of the antithesis of uh, Houston, who had that, they had that big trade. Another team that I didn't think did particularly well in the draft, but no, <laughs> why should they? Why should they do anything right now? I mean, why was Bill O'Brien yelling at the computer? I mean, I mean, I, I can understand like I, I can understand maybe from the Patriots' perspective, like if Bel if Belichick was upset that Nike his Husky was making the picks instead of him, 
I mean, if you're talking about the kicker that the Patriots took, which I'm not really going into that because it's it's a little too murky. And but as for the Texans, yeah, I mean, whatever whatever they do from here on out, I'm I'm going to have with immense skepticism because I mean, really, Jonathan Creenard, really. I don't know. I didn't think they had a, had a good draft either, the Texans. Yeah. Was there anything else that just really stood out to you? Like, it's like, oh my God, like perfect value. I can't believe they got him, this guy at this pick. Um, well, this bit of a, this is a bit of a curve. I'm going to go with one, but I'm also not. The Washington, the Washington Redskins mm-hmm. got by the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely fleeced. Trent Williams, a seven-time Pro Bowler. You shipped him to the defending NFC champions, and you got a fifth-round pick in return. So you're replacing Joe Staley, who just retired, with Trent Williams. I mean, talk about quality. Talk about value. And Williams, even though he missed a year, not really his fault. And Staley, you know, he was on a steady decline. He did make the all-decade team, and Williams was probably not too far off. Him and Swartz were probably not too far off from making a team like Staley. And Staley, he's along with Yonda, along with Weddle and Manning and several others, is now on that long list of those 2025 first-year eligibles for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And you replace with Trent Williams. Wow. <laughs> I think that's incredible value for a guy that people thought they would have to give up a first round pick to get the Niners only have to give up a fifth. I want your take on somebody who I thought was one of the greatest values of the first round. And we'll see if you agree with me or not on this uh, the wide receiver for the Broncos, Jerry Judy falling uh, to 15th overall. I think that's a I superstar. That good, I thought that was good value. However, I don't think, I don't know if it was as, as high of a value as the Cowboys getting CD Lamb. Mm-hmm. Because people didn't expect though the top three wide receivers. I mean, Kyle Mock still had you know Judy or Lamb going to the Broncos. Not many of them had Lamb, Lamb, Judy, or Ruggs going to the Cowboys. Because I'm not as I'm more impressed with the Cowboys taking Lamb mm-hmm. than the Broncos Judy for that reason. No, fair enough. It's good value, but I as Lamb going to the Cowboys. Okay, and so what was sort of the worst value picks? I, I know you were harsh on, and, and like a lot of people, harsh on the Jordan Love pick, uh, which could, I mean, we don't know. I mean, down the road, this could turn out to be a, like a phenomenal pick. It's just a little, it's certainly not doing a whole lot for your short-term future, that's for sure. But was there anything that's like, what the hell are they doing? Eagles taking Jalen yep. Hurts in the second round. <laughs> Oh my god, that that blew my mind. Like the Eagles, I mean, and I was Zenny, Zenny's big on Jalen Hurts. I, I'm I'm fine with Jalen Hurts. I have nothing against Jalen Hurts. I'm just questioning the Eagles. Like, is Jalen Hurts going to be? They said he's going to be using like a Taysom and Hill kind of role. Okay, but do you take how valuable is that? Take someone like that in the second round? I think Hurts would have been taken like in the second, maybe third as well, but. By a team that already has a quarterback, yeah, he had even banged up here and there, but he still managed to throw for four thousand yards last season, despite having no receivers, no receivers 
having 500 or more yards. He was able to do that, Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, I mean, is he going to be their guy for the future, even though you gave Wentz that contract extension? I'm really puzzled by this move. I mean, for the Eagles' sake, they're pretty lucky that they had a good day three because that Jalen Hurts pick is just... I mean, maybe he could, maybe he fits better in Doug Peterson's system. True, but what kind of what kind of statements does that say for Carson Wentz? It just it just seems so bizarre. It's it's just so it's such a bizarre move. I mean, yeah, you need a backup quarterback, but this high? Did you need to take one this high? No, not at all. They certainly didn't. Uh, that was the one that I think uh, almost everyone was agreeing with you on that one. Is there another one that just sort of like took you by surprise? Like, what other pick was just like, what the hell are they thinking? You know, the Seattle Seahawks. Why would you take Jordan Brooks one pick ahead of Patrick Queen when <laughs> most people have Patrick Queen as by far yeah. the best player in that board? And you take a guy that was barely sniffing top three. Yeah, Queen fell quite sure. a bit. I didn't really understand why that was. I made I, my guess that maybe they saw a bigger fit when it came to Jordan Brooks. I mean, I don't know. They're both outside linebackers, if I recall. I mean, it, it, I mean yeah, Patrick Queen's more inside. Jordan Brooks is more outside. But, man, like, you know, at that point, Brooks was a bit of a reach. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm puzzled by that. Just one pick before Patrick Queen. Really, one pick before Patrick Queen and the Ravens take him, a team that had the best record in the league last year, arguably gets even stronger. And the Seahawks, I mean, the NFC West is going to be loaded with them, the Cardinals, the Rams, and of course, the 49ers. I don't know what the Seahawks really did much to separate themselves ahead of a team like the Cardinals who really improved in this draft. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a competitive West, and I don't know if the Seahawks did enough to really put themselves over the Niners. And you know that Jordan Brooks pick is the biggest example of that. So I got a couple more questions that I want to go to you before we sort of look at the 2025 class uh, or for group of first eligible Hall of Famers that got a little bit thicker uh, this week. Uh, do you agree with Miami's pick with uh, Tua over Herbert? I mean, what's weird about it is that people want Herbert. What I don't understand what's going on with draft Twitter is because they wanted the Dolphins. Some of them wanted to take the Dolph wanted the Dolphins take Herbert over to it because of the draft, but because Herbert was the guy taken, they'll say, "Oh, Herbert's going to be this awful quarterback." The the Chargers massively reached here, even though most people saw him going in the top ten. Like what? Like most people saw. I mean, I'm hearing some people say, oh, he's worse than Trubisky. I'm like, what? What? But as for Tua to the Dolphins, hey, Tua has the upside. I, I'm down with it, too. Like, yeah, I was cleared good. medically. I'd go with Tua as well. As for Herbert, Herbert's a quality pick. Near these guys, you have to play right away. They can sit behind, you know, Fitzpatrick and uh, Taylor. So I, I have no issue with them. Who do you think, gets, who do you think starts first, uh, Tua or Herbert? Uh, I'm going to go with Tua. Yeah, I would, I'd agree. Fitzpatrick, I guess Fitzpatrick, he's kind of an enigma. Sometimes he's good some days, sometimes he's not as good as another day. Whereas with the, Char- with the Chargers, you know, Tyrod Taylor, the starting 
Uh, she's a starting caliber quarterback. Chargers are a very are a team with a lot of talent. They're not a team like the Dolphins who are kind of depleted when it comes to um, they are kind of young or depleted when it comes to talent. The Chargers are a more talented team, and that's why I think uh, you know Herbert will sit on the bench longer than Tua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, actually, I think uh, Tua is going to be starting on day on day one. Day one. Yep. Mm. I do. I do. Uh, you know, Fitzpatrick is essentially a career backup, and he's fine in that role. So you might as well see what you got. Yeah, I mean, I have no issue with that. I mean, Fitzpatrick's, Fitzpatrick started for, for, a, for a quarter of the team. That's not a joke. He's played for, played for and started for eight teams. He's the, Ram, uh, the, the Rams, the Bengals, the Bills, uh, the Jets, the, uh, the, the Buccaneers, uh, the Titans, the Texans, yeah, he just, he just started for a, a quarter of the team. It's, it, it's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think I wouldn't be surprised to, to see Tua start uh, game one, and that's what I actually like to see. If I was a Dolphins fan, that's what I definitely want to see. Uh, so we have a big retirement that I certainly want your take on. You've already alluded to it. Uh, Joe Staley is no longer an active football player. I'm really interested to see, you know, his Hall chances because in a vacuum, I'd say, oh, yeah, definitely Hall of Fame worthy. However, however, Lomas Brown was a six-time Pro Bowler and an eight-time de facto Pro Bowl, and he's not even been a semifinalist yet. Richmond Webb, who you had an interview with, Mm -hmm. four-time All-Pro, All-Decade team member, he's not been a semifinalist yet. So... Until those two make it, I think it's going to be a while before Staley does, if ever. But either way, I think you're just going to see, like, and if the trajectory of Hall of Fame stuff goes where I think it's going to go, where it's going to get bigger, we're going to see more moderns, you're going to see more seniors per year, um, small hall guys, shut up. <laughs> um, I think, I, I mean, even then, those same people just want their guys in anyway, they don't care. Um, I think it would lead to, personally, you might have a better chance, but even then, are you going to take Joe? I mean, as great as Joe Staley is, if you're going to put him in with Lomas Brown in Richmond Red, are you going to go with Joe Staley before those two? No. No. I wouldn't. No. That's nothing against, and that's no shot against Joe Staley at all. It's just that, you know, when when you have a eight-time All-Pro, when you have a six-time All-Pro who is an eight-time Pro Bowl, Pro War, de facto, keep in mind, Lomas Brown, one of our patron saints of this website, Ruben Brown, <laughs> um, the, the Brown boys, the Browns that get no respect at all, um, as much as I, I love them, um, then no, I, I just don't, I just don't see it um, until those two make it, or at least one of the two. Yeah, two. and I think being uh, sort of on the same uh, initial class as uh, a fellow offensive lineman, Marshall Yanda, does him no favors either. Oh no, Marshall Yanda made it unanimously on the all decade team. I mean, but then again, there's a part of me that says like you, know, you should make it first out, but you know, Fanica still isn't in yet, and it took Hutchinson a couple of years. So right. I don't know if Yanda first a first out. He should, I think, especially like you know, with the way that you know the world is going to be by then. I think you're going to the demand's going to be like almost hostile to the point that I feel like you need to, especially considering that he made it unanimously on the all decade team. 
Mm-hmm. Now, granted, people don't really value all decade teams. At least the internet does not value all decade teams as much as people used to. So I wonder how much it's going to value. However, even then, people still unanimously agree Yanda was the best card this decade. Doesn't matter who you are. So, any final thoughts on the draft? Uh, I thought this was a uh, good draft. I would say that as for real losers outside of the Packers, <laughs> yes, I'm dropped at the Chiefs heads again. Um, I, I don't think there are really any big losers, but a lot of these guys, you got to see how it plays out in like, you know, three, four, five years to see a genuine final grade. Oh, absolutely. Just that, the, absolutely. That's, what, that's exactly why we do, why they always do the redraft that, redrafts on ESPN or really all, all sorts of sites. I think it's sort of like do it over. I was just actually reading not that long ago that Mel Kuyper once said Julio Jones was going to be an NFL bust because he couldn't catch. Yeah, and I have Bill, Bill Pulling, which I know NFL Twitter absolutely hates and thinks that they, some of them think he's a clan team or something, which is ridiculous. They're basically equating how, oh, Bill Pulling doesn't know anything, even though the guy created the Bills' 90s pseudo-dynasty and the Panthers, he made them be very competitive, and he made the Colts a perennial contender. Yes, he had Peyton Manning, but he also drafted all those other guys to build around him. It's, so the, it's, it's the internet and digital era. Everyone's bad opinion is there forever, including mine. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. And, like, with, with polling, especially with the whole, you know, wide receiver uh, with uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, that you're going to see people, especially when you're on the Young Turks Network, keep calling him a racist until the, until you know the end of the end of time itself. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, it's been fun as always, and I'm sure we're going to have to we're going to do this again. And again, fantastic job on the on Zenny's uh, show. Anytime, thanks, Kirk. All right, take care. Thank you so much for listening, and look for new content from us weekly at NotInHallOfFame.com. Stay safe, everyone. Safe, everyone. Safe, everyone. Safe, everyone.